The Invincible Teams podcast is powered by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork, training, and consulting to help your team thrive in every season. If you want to have a team that makes other leaders jealous, get started by going to their website in the show notes and scheduling your free consultation today. Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Welcome back to the Invincible Teams podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ryan Mayfield. Here's a question. Have you ever had your boss try and give you feedback, but it comes across very awkward or unhelpful? Or maybe you've been the boss knowing that you needed to have a hard conversation with someone about their performance, but you just don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, you're not alone. My guest today is Therese Houston, and she has a new book called Let's Talk, Make Effective Feedback Your Superpower. And today on the show, she shares some of her own personal stories about feedback in the workplace, as well as several amazing and practical insights about how to give effective feedback. In all honesty, I think it's the most practical interview that I've ever done, and I can guarantee that you're going to walk away with some real tangible application points. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Therese Houston. All right, Therese Houston, welcome to Invincible Teams Podcast. How are you? I am great. It's so nice to be here, Ryan. Thank you. I'm excited to have you, uh, and and your book is something I'm excited to talk about. Uh, but before we jump into all that, why don't you just introduce yourself, uh, tell people who you are and what you do? Sure thing. So um, I am a cognitive scientist by training, and I help smart people get smarter at work. Um, there's so wow. many- that yeah. is a heck of an elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I do. I want to help. There are plenty of smart people who work so hard, but they find themselves thinking, wait, didn't, haven't, haven't we had this conversation before? Why, why are we running into the same problems again and again? And so I want them to feel unstuck. I, I want them to be, I want every manager, every team leader to be having new problems three months from now than they're having today. I mean, nobody wants problems, but we definitely want new challenges, new problems on the horizon so that we're always moving forward. And um, I'm a researcher by training. So I try to take good research and turn it into great practice. Um, I have a, a PhD in cognitive cognitive psychology, and um, I'm currently at Seattle University, but I'm also doing postgraduate work at the University of Oxford at their Said Business School, where I'm really learning how optimal teams work. And so it's especially nice to be here. I can, I can present some cutting edge research that can help all of your listeners just take their leadership one step further. Yeah, well, that's phenomenal. And, and like I said, that's a great elevator pitch. I mean, the kind of mark of a good pitch like that is that whoever you're talking to wants you to explain more about what you do and uh, you've hooked me. So tell me, what does that mean in your practical day-to-day? What what do you actually do? So uh, I, do, I do two things. So uh, in terms of helping people at other organizations, I give a lot of talks. I do a lot of virtual workshops right now for companies that are looking to either improve feedback or improve diversity inclusion in their workplace. Um, I, I also do consulting with companies that are trying to improve their feedback culture. Maybe they find that 
Um, you know, they've got a culture of nice. I'm doing little finger quotes here. <laughs> they have a culture yeah. of nice. Nobody says the hard things. And so, of course, when nobody says the hard things, um, people keep making the same mistakes. And uh, so, I, I, so I do a lot of consulting as well as talks for companies. And then the other thing that I do at Seattle University, I do consulting within the university. I help good professors become your favorite professors. Wow. So, yeah, you know, we've all had a professor who had potential, but you were... <laughs> you weren't thrilled being in their class, you know, you weren't, <laughs> you know, maybe it was when you're doing your MBA that you're like, oh man, they need to get, he need, you know, I want, I want to have this professor five years from now. I don't want to have this professor today. And I try to accelerate that process, help people move along their learning curve a lot faster. And um, it's really enjoyable work. Oh, that's great. So how did you get into that field? I, um, I, when, when I got my PhD and I did a post, I did a postdoctoral fellowship in cognitive neuroscience. So I did a lot of work on the brain and I got my first faculty position, which was really exciting. I was a professor for several years and I realized that I wasn't getting to think big picture enough, right? So I might be helping you, Ryan, with a class on business leadership, but what I wasn't getting to do is I wasn't getting to think, what does great teaching look like? How do you mm. get better at your job? And I realized those were the kinds of problems I really wanted to address not just, you know, how do you lecture on hedge funds, right? (laughs) I really wanted to think about bigger picture issues. And so um, uh, I found my first job in uh, consulting. And that was back in 2001. Yeah, so I guess I've been doing consulting work for 20 years now. And um, uh, I've worked at a couple of different universities. I was at Carnegie Mellon University for my the beginning of my career. And now I've been in Seattle for 17 years, and I feel really lucky to to be helping so many people. I've worked with, I've 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 helped uh, nurses and engineers and CEOs. I even once sat in a classroom for a Broadway choreographer, and he had lines of dancers coming across the room at me, and I'm sitting in the corner thinking, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do you? How do you give better feedback in a situation <laughs> like this?" Right? <laughs> anyway, and, and my job there was to help him figure out how to give feedback to his dancers. And one of the things that became clear to me is that, you know, 90% of us have to give feedback as part of our jobs, but 99% of us are not trained in how to do it. We're, hmm. we're just, you know, it's trial and error. We're making it up as we go along. So that really got me interested in, in helping people give better feedback. Yeah. Well, and that's a, a very good segue into, I was going to ask you about the book. You've got this new book called Let's Talk. Um, and the subtitle there is Make Effective Feedback Your Superpower. And so uh, I was going to ask you why you decided to write this book. And uh, so, I mean, of course, you mentioned that, but but tell me more about that. What led you to write this book about feedback? Well, so a big part of it was realizing that so few of us are trained in, in how to give good feedback. Even I've even spoken with HR managers. Um, if you're not in HR, you probably assume, oh, HR, oh, they know, you know, they've been trained to give good feedback. But even in HR, a, a good number of people arrive in those roles simply because they're good people. They're good with people. Right. And so they end up in mm-hmm. HR and then they're, they're scrambling to learn how to give effective feedback themselves. Um, so, so part of it was that journey of realizing this is a skill we almost all need, but we don't know how to do. And we're, we're making it up as we go along. And then the second inspiration was I had a very personal inspiration. I had some pivotal realizations about feedback early in my own career. Um, so I'll tell you if it's okay, I'll tell you a story. I, uh, I had started in a new job and it was, it was at the end of my first year. And when you make a career switch, 
you know, you're, am, am I, am I, how am I doing? You know, am I, is, is, I, 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 I'm proud of the work that I've done, but is this at all impressive? Have I contributed in a meaningful way? So at the end of my first year on the job, I, I asked my boss, could we talk about the year in review, what I'd done well, where she saw me as, as needing to grow and, and which, which things she'd like to see me most improve. And she was super busy. She had just been promoted herself. So she said, Let's do this over lunch. Mm. Great. Okay, great. So I, I, we, go out, we go out for a really nice lunch at a nice restaurant. And we have this lovely conversation, Ryan, where um, we're talking about, I was engaged. So we're talking about my future husband. We talked about her husband. We talked about her, her kids. We talked about our pets. But we didn't, you know, we had this great connecting conversation where we're getting to know one another. But we don't talk at all about my performance on the job. We didn't talk about work at all. Mm. So we go to pay the bill. And I'm thinking, okay, we've got a 15 minute walk back to the office. This is my one shot. I'm going to ask her about yeah. my, my performance. And this, we got a nice transition here. This is a good chance. And she says, hey, before we walk back, why don't we hit the restroom? I'm like, sure. So we both go into our stalls and she launches into my performance review. She's like, no, no I'm not kidding. She said, so, Therese, about this past year. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> Oh, I was like, no, not now. <laughs> oh. Right. It's a public restroom. You don't know who's going to walk in. Um, I had no idea what she was going to say. And, and, and I also, I had this funny realization where I'm like, I, I, I can't even write any of this down. I don't, you know, <laughs> this is such a terrible moment. And I had, to, I had, I had two choices in that moment. Of course, Ryan, I could have said, said, could you please stop? Let's just wait a minute. Or I could just accept that this is when she was giving me her feedback and I felt pretty powerless. And so I just, I just listened and did my best to suppress any strong reaction I was having. And, um, it, it gave me three realizations. First of all, uh, the feedback recipient is often pretty powerless, especially when it's their boss, when it's their team leader giving the feedback, right? You, you, yeah. you don't feel like you can control much in that conversation. I certainly wasn't controlling the context. Um, it was so rough. Secondly, even when you have good intentions, you can flub your feedback. I think she meant well. I think she was suddenly remembering, wait, why do we go out to lunch? <laughs> I've only got a few more minutes. <laughs> so I, I think she meant well, but she, she still delivered the feedback in a way that was very hard for me to hear. I, I can tell you, Ryan, I don't remember anything that she said. I just remember my panic, right? You know, yeah. as you can imagine, oh right? Oh my gosh. Um, and then my, my other takeaway is um, managers really need to think about what the other person is hoping to get out of the feedback experience, right? Um, I really wanted to accelerate my career. I wanted to be much better in year two than I was in year one, but this did not feel like career acceleration, you know, and this was certainly not how she was giving feedback to my male colleagues, right? She was <laughs> oh. Anyway, it was, it was, it was rough. You know, she was a good boss in a hard spot, I think is what it was, but it didn't help me very much. I, I am floored. That is one of the most unbelievable stories I have ever heard. Is... <laughs> okay. So uh, team leaders and bosses listening right now, um, <laughs> takeaway number one, don't do performance reviews across bathroom stalls. Good <laughs> night. No, no, exactly. And it's funny when I've told this story sometimes to HR managers, they say, I've never even thought about giving that advice. It seems so obvious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, you, you've got to, you, you know, you've got to, you've got to pick your moment where the other person can hear you. Privacy is important, but not the privacy of a bathroom, privacy of a closed door <laughs> office, or at least a separate zoom call away from the team. Right. Something, <laughs> something wow. exactly. Well, so 
yeah, you've obviously got some personal uh, experience with this, both uh, good and bad. But why do you think this skill of feedback, as you called it, I think you called it a skill earlier, right? Yes. Um, why do you think that skill is so important for business owners and team leaders to master and not just, you know, blindly kind of guess their way through? I think definitely giving feedback is a skill. It's not just something that comes naturally to people. It's a skill you can develop. And I consider it a superpower for two reasons. I I think of feedback really is a superpower for any team leader. And it's a superpower, first of all, because it has a snowball effect, right? Giving feedback is one of those rare skills where every improvement you make translates into improvements for your team, right? If you boost your feedback skills a little, people come to work more motivated, Um, you get better at helping people move past their limiters. Alex starts turning in her work on time. Um, Leon becomes a better salesperson, right? You get, you get, when people know, when people have new ideas for how to get their work done, if you're providing coaching, they're more motivated and they can do better work. And if you boost your feedback skills a lot, people will call you the best boss they've ever had. Mm. And there's, there's a good chance that's true. You know, we don't do it for the blue ribbon. We don't do it for the trophy. But if you can find a way to say to Alex or Leon, you know, you're good at X, but you're you're not good at Y yet. And I believe you could be really good at Y. People will move boulders to get good at Y for you, right? And yeah. all of a sudden, you've now got people who aren't just good at X, but they're good at Y and Z and Z prime, right? <laughs> there are all these yeah. ways in which you can introduce new skills that you don't have on your team right now without hiring more people. So getting good at feedback, help coaching them through their limiters is, is a, a way you can develop your team and develop you know, everybody gets better as you get better. So that's, that's one reason that I think of it as an essential skill. And then the second reason that you need to master feedback is you might find yourself dodging feedback conversations if you're right. not comfortable doing it, right? Yeah. There's, there's data here in the US that shows that 21%, one out of five managers avoids giving critical feedback altogether, right? Yeah. They, just, they just skip those conversations. Um, and think about that. If you've got a company with 100 managers, 21 of them are not having critical feedback conversations. That's a disaster if, yeah. if you're the CEO, right? That's yeah. like, um, yeah. that means you're, <laughs> uh, you, that person and their whole team could be underperforming. And, and I get it, right? People don't want to be the bad guy. Um, they feel like having those feedback conversations is going to crush souls or, or demotivate people. But if you don't give feedback, you're sending the message that I, I see you as a hopeless cause, right? I mm. see you as stuck in your career. I see you as someone who's not worth my extra energy. Yeah. Um, and you need to give people another chance. I mean, you would want that, right? You would want that from your yeah, own boss. You, absolutely. You, yeah. you want them to, to see you as someone with potential. Um, you don't want anyone writing you off as, you know, she's just bad at why or he, you know, Ryan's good, but, you know, he's never going to be one of our top performers. Sure. Believe in Ryan. He could be a top <laughs> performer. Right? Let's, let's get yeah, there. Yeah. Um, so you want to be the good guy, help someone improve, help them get past their limiters. Yeah. yeah. Well, not only... Like, does it, I think it doesn't care for those individuals. One of the things that I talk about with team leaders uh, is that when you don't give that kind of feedback to someone who maybe is underperforming, Mm -hmm. you are sending a message to the rest of the team that this kind of performance is acceptable, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, you're so right. And, And I've seen people become then demotivated. If, if the other people on the team are high performers, they're thinking, 
well, why do you let, you know, why do you let Rob get away with this? Right. Yeah. Um, why, why do you let Alex turn in work late? The rest of us, the rest of us work overtime. We work until one in the morning to get our work in. How could you settle for less than that? Um, I've also heard um, a, a frustrating thing that happens when managers are avoiding feedback conversations. They'll develop these workarounds and the mm. workarounds are almost never good. So for mm. instance, I was interviewing one employee. Um, he worked in the service industry and what his boss would do because she so hated feedback conversations, critical feedback conversations, she would, she would make, she would put notes in the break room, right? Rather than addressing it directly with the person, there'd be all these notes, post-it notes everywhere about all these things people needed to do. And people were like, I, I don't have this problem. We all know who has this problem. <laughs> There's only one person on the, on the team who yeah. does this, you know, talk to so-and-so don't talk to the rest of us or right. that that boss would put a new policy in place that affected everyone. When again, you know, it was only Alex who was turning in her work late. So right. only Alex needs that conversation. We don't all need a new policy. So there are, um, there are a lot, and those are all demotivating for the people yeah. who are doing good work. So yeah. we don't want we don't want to lose them. We don't want to lose our high performers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one will probably make your skin crawl too. I've I've talked to somebody who in their office uh, publicly, like where people could see it, they had a wall sure. of fame, but yep. they also uh, in the break room had a wall of shame. And <laughs> I mean, no. good on them for not having that publicly displayed, but everybody on the team could see it. And I'm like, I don't know oh. that that's the best way to go about addressing some of these issues. No, no, because if your name is up there on the wall of shame, um, that doesn't lead you to feel more motivated, right? No. If whereas if your boss had that conversation with you one on one, like, hey, I'm really concerned because you've been late, you know, whenever a meeting starts before 11 o'clock, it seems like you're late for the meeting. So what's happening there, right? Yeah. Then you're like, okay, so we can talk about my home life now, right? right. <laughs> What's happening in my home life? As opposed to if your name is up on the wall of shame, you're just like, nobody cares about me, or at least my boss doesn't care about me, right? right. They're, they're humiliating me. And that, it, that doesn't feel like a safe place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you talk about, um, what'd you say? 20%? Was that the, the 21%? Statistic? Yeah. 21%, 21%. That, that admit to not wanting to have those feedback <laughs> conversations. Um, so I, that made me wonder, is there another chunk of people who think that they're good at feedback conversations, but are not nearly as good as they think they are? You're so on it. You're right. And you're, you're smart, Ryan, to emphasize the admit, because that's only 21% who admit that they're avoiding these conversations. I, I've definitely spoken with managers who think the number is really much higher and people don't realize it. There's yeah. great there's great work from Scherer and Schwab. Um, they're a team that published in Harvard Business Review in 2019. They've got a paper on sugarcoating. Um, and it's looking at, it's, a, it's an interesting article about where they, they interviewed 566 employees about a recent feedback conversation they'd had. And then they went and interviewed the managers to find out what did you actually say in that conversation? Or what do you think you said, right? What did you mean to say? And there, and you're not surprisingly, there was a gap between what the employees heard and what the managers thought they said. And the gap was pretty consistently where the manager thought they had been, they thought they were giving a more critical negative message than what the employee heard. The employee heard a much more positive message on average. And what was fascinating is 
um, managers didn't realize that they'd been misunderstood. And the gap was really great in two areas. One where one of them spoke, wasn't a native English speaker, and that's not surprising. There'd be misunderstandings there. Two, and this one's the more concerning statistic, the worse the news, the, the more sugarcoating happened. So when you've got a real underperformer, managers tend to sugarcoat and they don't realize it, or at least the employee doesn't hear the severity of like, look, Ron, we're, we're looking, we're looking at two more months of this and you're out of here, but they don't say it that way. Right. <laughs> you know, the, basically uh, the manager is trying to say, if you don't start rowing, the boat is going to sink. And the poor employee hears, have you ever thought about rowing? Right. <laughs> so, so we mean to, we, we mean to send one signal and we send a very different one. Um, and one way to check for that, you might be wondering, well, how on earth do we know if we're sugarcoating is at the end of the conversation, I, I especially recommend this during COVID um, for those of you who listened to it before we, we get back to regular work settings um, is to check with an employee at the end of a conversation. If you've been giving them feedback and you had you had a set of goals going into that conversation that you really wanted them to hear. At the end, say, hey, so what are your three takeaways? Or what do you hear me saying? And then when the employee says back to you, okay, well, you know, I hear you saying I should, you know, maybe think about rowing. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying if you don't start rowing, uh, your time here is limited, right? You get a chance to check what are they hearing and you get a chance to correct misperceptions. I'm not saying that that would always be the conversation you would have, but you at least get to find out, was there some miscommunication? So that makes me think of... Um... Uh, scene from The Office, which uh, if you're familiar with that, you've got Michael Scott, right? Who's the boss who sure. probably thinks that he's way better at feedback than he is. And uh, just, you know, fits perfectly into this thing that you're talking about of people not understanding what he's trying to communicate. Right. It makes me think of, uh, I don't know if you have seen this, this episode where he's trying to tell Andy, one of his mm -hmm. workers that oh, yeah. um, his uh, fiance is cheating on him. And he like, you know, slowly mills out to the parking lot and eventually gets in his car. And with the window up as he's driving away is trying to tell him, Oh, also your fiance is having an affair and then just kind of drives away <laughs> and, um, you know, thinks that it's like effective feedback. Right. Uh, oh my goodness. That's what it made me think of as you were describing that. <laughs> that's perfect. Right. And that kept you. And, and, and I know his, his fiance is Angela, right? Um, yeah. Um, I can so picture this in terms of you, you don't want to, again, it gets back to this idea. You don't want to be the bad guy, right? right. And you, you, you don't want to sit with that person's reactions. Right. You, yeah. you, and this, you know, what that captures, you know, so many of us, just like with the feedback in the bathroom story, people will be like, I would never do that. I would never do that, but I can tell you what people do that, that is, is, is a, a version of that. Mm -hmm. They leave the bad news for the very end of the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've got an hour meeting with someone and you spend the first 45 minutes talking about a project and you're offering coaching on that project and you get to the last five, seven minutes of the meeting. And then you're like, okay, Steven, um, I got just one more thing before you go. Um, I'm not going to put your name up for promotion after all. Um, it's, mm. it's, it's complicated, but um, it, yeah, uh, it's going to be at least another year before I put your name up for promotion. And now Steven's mm. thinking, why, why didn't you lead with this? Right? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, clearly we don't have time to talk about this and I'm wondering wh why not. And um, this I, I've heard from so many people at different levels, even top, I, I interviewed a, a VP at Expedia and she's had the hap this happen with her bosses where she really thought like, 
well, given the way the conversation is going, I'm doing great. And then they drop that bad news on her in the last couple of minutes. Right. And um, I get it. I mean, I understand what's happening there for those managers and leaders. They, they, they are hoping that, the, con- that the, per- the person will take it well because they've built up this great rapport. But instead, the other person feels betrayed at the end, right? And they don't get a chance. They feel like you're, you're basically saying, and I don't want to talk about this as evidenced by the fact, you know, like Michael, I'm driving away. Right. right. Yeah. 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 And then just leave somebody standing there speechless. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then, and they also feel betrayed because if, if you had led with that, they might not have dis- divulged as many problems as they were having. Instead, they've been really candid with you for the 45 minutes of the meeting or the problems they're having in sales or the problems they're having, um, uh, getting meetings with new clients, whatever it might be. And then you drop that bombshell on them and they feel that it wasn't fair, right? That you, right. you weren't being fair because they were really candid with you and you weren't candid with them. Right. Absolutely. Well, so uh, I want to transition this to some more practical uh, sure. things here is like, you know, one of the things that you say is the first part of giving feedback is to find out what type of feedback people want most. So uh, how do you do that? What are the different types and how do you know what people want? So I identify three kinds of feedback and you want to find out which of those three kinds people want most. So most of us think about feedback as either positive or negative. We just think of those two kinds, or if you're trying to be really diplomatic, you might stay positive and constructive feedback. You might avoid the word negative, right? But um, it's much more practical and useful to think about feedback as three different kinds. And this work comes from Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen, who wrote Thanks for the Feedback. So the three kinds of feedback are appreciation, which is what I like about you and your work, that would be positive feedback the way most of us think of it. So positive feedback or appreciation. And the other two kinds, this distinction is important. So there's coaching and there's evaluation. So coaching is advice, what you could do to improve your work, where I see room for growth and how you might get there, right? So coaching is advice and evaluation. And this is the part that most people skip for most of the year is letting someone know where they stand. So mm-hmm. are you on track for getting that promotion? And are you going to be getting some higher profile clients? Um, you've been in this job for two months. Is it okay that you're still in the learning mode or should you be contributing at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So that's letting someone know where do you stand relative to expectations and are you on track for the goals that, that you have, right? You're hoping, you're hoping to get a raise at the end of the year. In addition to budgetary issues, there's how are you doing? Am I going to put your name up for a raise, right? Right. And um, so all employees need all three kinds. They need appreciation, they need coaching, and they need evaluation. And all too often, we will just give one kind of feedback. You know, someone asks us for feedback, and we just assume they want coaching, when really what they want is they want to feel recognized. They, they want somebody to notice their work. And so um, I, 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 what I advise people to do is to ask what kind, when someone asks for feedback, or even if they haven't asked for feedback to say, Hey, I, I've been, I listened to this great podcast the other day on invincible teams. And it made me realize I, I should be asking what kind of feedback do you want? And then tell people about the three kinds. You can say, are you looking for some appreciation and recognition right now? Do you want to know where you stand? Are you interested in some advice and some coaching? lay those out for people. And people will probably be so surprised that you're asking. Mm. Very few people get asked what kind of feedback yeah. they, they would need right now. What kind do they no- want most? That most people are kind of stunned into silence, but I can guarantee they'll come back to the next meeting saying, okay, I gave us some, th- some thought. Thank you for asking. 
And what I really want to know is where do I stand? <laughs> right. Yeah. Or they, or they come back in and say, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed to ask for this, but I'm feeling really demotivated. I, I would mm. love to hear some encouragement, you know, where, where am I having impact? Right. Yeah. But, but you need to lay out for people as a, as their manager, here are three kinds of feedback. What do you need most right now? And, and give people permission, especially to ask for appreciation. That's the hardest one to ask for. I think for most mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what I like about that is that it kind of helps you overcome that, that uh, thing that we were talking about people have where they don't want to be the bad guy. They don't want to be the one bringing the bad news Yes, because it's like, if they say I want coaching, then they are inviting you to give them that kind of, of feedback. And so you're not bringing it, they're asking for it. And uh, it's certainly, at least it feels like from my point of view, helps you break through that, that obstacle. Is that true? Such a great insight. Absolutely. Right. Because um, by asking someone what kind of feedback they want, you're now partners in this process. Right. Whereas if you just come in with your with your news, with your coaching that you're like, oh, I so I so want to give Leon coaching on how to get more new clients. I've been meaning to do this. How do I bring this up? If you go to Leon and say, hey, what kind of feedback do you need most right now? We haven't had a feedback conversation in a while. What would be most helpful to you? If Leon identifies like, you know, I, I, I don't feel I've got quite enough new clients. You're like, yes, <laughs> thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. You well, know, I think they, yeah, most ahead. people like uh, they're not, I, I'm sure there are some people like this, but I feel like most people aren't going to be like, well, I don't need any kind of coaching. I don't need any kind of evaluation. Just give me the good stuff. Don't tell me anything else. Like very few people are actually going to take that approach. And um, I feel like most people will say, well, yeah, I, I could use some coaching, you know? Sure. Exactly. Right. Even if they're doing it almost as a favor to you, right. They're going right. to say that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah. So very good insight. It helps, it, it helps both of you be on the same side of the problem. We're trying to create a, an even stronger future for you here. How do we do that together? Right. Right. Well, so we are kind of talking about giving feedback to people that work for you, right? People that are your employees are members of the team that you lead. Uh, And you may have more thoughts on that, but what about other um, directions for feedback, either uh, feedback between peers who are at the same level in a team, or even one of the things I see the most often is people asking how they can lead up. Right. Yes. Uh, and yes. so what do you have? Uh, what thoughts do you have about feedback, either horizontally or even up in your organization or team? So it's interesting. I'm, I, I love that you asked this question. I don't think anyone's asked me about how to give peer to peer feedback. So I, I really I appreciate this. And so often another team's performance affects our team, but we don't have any power over that, Mm -hmm. that team down the hallway, right. Right. Or that team who we're partnering with on this particular client or project, but we, we still want to give them feedback. So the good news is there's, um, there's a national study of of just over 1100 employees in the United States that found that more than 50% of employees were satisfied when they had a difficult conversation with a peer and they were a a much smaller percentage were satisfied when they had a difficult conversation with their boss. So Mm. peer to peer conversations go better than we expect. So if you're, if if you're avoiding this conversation, there's a good chance it's going to go better than, than you think it will. So how do you make it go well? So a couple of things, Um, first of all, lead with listening, not with talking. 
right? So let's say you're giving feedback on an event. There was a presentation this morning by someone on another team, and you want to talk about that because you're frustrated that they didn't include your team's data in their presentation, and you provided that data, right? <laughs> so you can start, you need to start with listening. You need to find out how do they think that went. So starting with like, hey, so how do you think this morning's presentation went? Um, you know, what are you especially pleased with? What would you do differently in the future? Um, and you can be approaching it as like, hey, we're partners in this, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, wanna, I, I want to see this go well for you. And you can even say that, st- stating your good intentions out loud. Like, I really want your, your project to get funded. You know, I want to see, see you get more heads. I want to make sure you guys are able to expand, right? So, how, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in your corner on this and find different ways to communicate that. But lead with listening. Find out how they thought it went. Because if you lead with listening, there's a good chance that person will say, hey, I realized I didn't get a chance to present your data today. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'll, they'll acknowledge in their uh, explanation of how they thought it went they might acknowledge the way that they didn't serve you as well as you had hoped. And that makes it much easier for you to now bring that up, just like you were saying earlier. Um, So the first one is lead with listening and ask questions and get their perspective is really what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. The the second thing would be say something specific and positive. Um, Leslie John, she's a, a business professor at Harvard University. She finds that when you say something specific and positive about someone's work before you say something critical, the other person listens much more carefully to the critical feedback. So you can't, it can't just be generic feedback like, oh, Ryan, I see you got new glasses. I really like those. <laughs> like, yeah. you, might, you might be like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> but actually, I've had these glasses for two months. I don't know why you're just sure. noticing today, right? So it can't be generic and it can't be irrelevant. It needs to mm-hmm. be directly about this morning's presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really like I love that you were able to give analytics for the past two months. Like I, I didn't realize we even had that data available. So can you tell me where you, where you got that data? Cause I want to include it in my presentations. That's so specific so that now when I move to my concern, which is, but you didn't include our team's data. And I was wondering why not then uh, they know you were paying attention and they know that you noticed the good stuff. So saying something specific and positive. And then the, the third piece of advice I have is kind of sneaky. So it's a sneaky strategy, but I love sneaky okay. strategies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, this comes from Avi Kluger. He's at the business school at the University of Jerusalem, and, and he studies how people listen in business and, and how it affects their work. And he's found that a very successful question that you can ask when you want to give advice, but you want to sneak that advice in is to say, I wonder what would happen if you chose to blank. Okay. Mm. So I wonder what would happen if you chose to blank. And in this case, it might be the example we're using. I wonder what would happen if you chose to include some of our team's data. Right. Mm. And now the other person is brainstorming with you. They're like, well, what would have happened if I'd included your team's data? Well, I would have had to cut something else from the presentation. You know, I only had eight minutes, but you know, there was that one example that I gave that I wish I had, you know, but they get to think through what are the consequences. And, and he finds people are more likely to take it as advice that they're willing to consider when they get to be the, in the position of like, oh, what, what would the consequences be of this, um, of this piece of advice that you're offering me in the form of a question, right? Yeah. People love to be asked questions, um, thoughtful questions. So this is a great one. What, I wonder what would happen if you chose to blank and then offer your piece of advice and and you're good into a 
a more thoughtful conversation, even if they say, well, I shouldn't have done it today because I had only eight minutes, but you're right. You're right. I need to get your data out there. Okay. So in my next, in my next presentation, here's what I could do differently. Right. So anyway, yeah. so I, I offer that one as a nice way to uh, hook hook your advice into the conversation. Yeah, I love that. That's that's really good. Okay, so what about the scariest of all these options where you have to give feedback up in your organization? Because, I mean, typically a team leader uh, isn't getting a whole lot of feedback, right, from their team. And even if they are, oftentimes it is not honest and feedback that's not honest is not helpful. And so a lot of leaders are just flying blind because they don't get the feedback that every other team member is getting. So So how do you create an environment where people are willing to do that? Um, And what does that look like to be able to be the person giving feedback to the boss? Yes. Great. So uh, I want to speak to a couple of different issues there. So one is what can the managers be doing to solicit feedback? Because as you've pointed out, you know, it's daunting to give feedback up. That person has power over your vacation time. They have, they have, they have power over how your work is interpreted. Do you, do, are you, do you get credit for your work? I mean, there's, you know, not just pay raises, they have so much power over you. Um, It can be daunting to give feedback up. Um, So first of all, what can the managers do? And then secondly, what can you do to give feedback up? So as a manager, if you feel like you're not getting honest feedback, um, you can say to your team, hey, look, I'm working to be the best manager I can be, or I'm working to be the best, best VP I can be. I know I have room to improve. I'd really appreciate advice on what I should work work on. You no doubt see things that I can't, right? Um, and, and you're my eyes and ears. That's a really nice one that my mm. boss has said before. You're my eyes and ears. Let me know what people are unhappy about. Mm. And that can make it much easier for people to say, okay, what I'm unhappy about, but they can couch it as, okay, you know, I'm hearing other people complain about blank, sure. right? Sure. So that's, that's a nice way to invite it. And you can't just do this once, Ryan. You can't just say it once in January and, and never say it again. You need, you yeah. need to kind of say it, you know, at least once a month, like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm, I'm really serious. Nobody's given me any feedback. I'm not asking for you to like say it in the public chat right now, but <laughs> yeah. if you have feedback for me, I need to hear it. What do we need to be working on or what do I need to be working on? Mm-hmm. So make it safe, right? Um, say, say it repeatedly. All right. So that's what a boss can be doing. Now, what can employees do Hopefully their boss is giving them permission to, to uh, give them feedback or inviting that feedback. But um, let's say your boss hasn't listened to this podcast. They're not doing that. What can you do? Um, first of all, you need to gauge whether you and your boss have a good relationship. Do you have a good trusting relationship? Um, most people are, are good at gauging. This is a good time to give my boss feedback or this is a bad time. So, so first of all, you know, kind of take that temperature. And then there are a couple things you can do. Even if your boss hasn't invited feedback, you can ask your boss if you have permission. This sounds kind of silly, hmm. but um, you can say, would it, would it help? You know, we've got this new project coming up. I think I have a unique vantage point. Would it be helpful if I gave you feedback at certain points? Hmm. Your boss is definitely going to say yes, right? They're going to be like, they, they, they know, even if they, in the moment, they don't want the feedback, they're giving you permission ahead of time, right? Yeah. So you can then say, in one of those moments where you're like, oh, oh, hitting the hand against the forehead, you can go to the, your boss and say, I, um, I think I've got an insight that could be helpful for you. Is this, is this a good time to give you some feedback? You said you'd be interested in some. Would this be a good time? And chances are, even if your manager is not interested, they remember, yes, that's right. And they'll say right. yes in that moment, right? So asking permission up front is really good. Um, 
stating your good intentions also works really well here. You could say, I see you working so hard. I want this project to be a win for you. Um, would some feedback be helpful to you right now? Or are you saturated? Right. Yeah. But stating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I, I want, I want good things for you. I see you working so hard on this. Right. Um, but, but, but I know it's not going the way, at least from here, it doesn't look like it's going the way that you want it to. Would some feedback be helpful? Right. And then, um, and then the other suggestion I would have is to ask questions so that you understand your boss's goals. Because if you can frame your feedback in terms of your boss's goals, they'll be more interested in what you have to say. So you could ask your boss, and this again is preparatory work, but you could ask, okay, so, um, so I'm wondering, Michelle, what are your top three goals for this year? Assuming Michelle is your boss, mm. right? What are your top mm. three goals for this year? And um, your boss says, you know, um, I really want to land the Samsung client. I really want to land the Samsung contract. Okay. So then you, you know, a little bit later, you can come back and say, so I hear you really want to land the Samsung contract and you want um, everyone to be working on that. And I, I see a reason that I think people aren't being as efficient with the Samsung contract as you'd like. And now your boss is like, right. oh my gosh, yeah, this is so important to me. Why? You know, <laughs> right? right. Um, yeah. So f- finding out your boss's goals. And, and sometimes it feels like a stretch. It can feel like it's a little bit of a stretch. But if you, if you see a reason that people are like slow to get back on email or slow to work on a project, and you can frame that yeah. in terms of your boss's goals, he or she's going to be so much more interested in what you have to say. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And it's, uh, it makes so much sense. And it's almost so simple. You know, it's just, it feels obvious, but, but man, I feel like that would just be a game changer for people if they could learn to orient their, their feedback, their thoughts in terms, like you said, of their boss's goals. That's, that's gold, I think right there. Yeah, it really is. I I worked for uh, my, um, not my current boss, but my last boss, although she was a great boss, I really didn't understand her goals very well. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I had, because um, she was, I didn't realize this until the very end of my time working with her, but she was always trying to get more resources and had trouble negotiating with her own boss. And if I had sat down and thought through with her, like, okay, you're trying to get more resources. Is there work that I can be doing that would make it look like you deserve more resources, right? I I might've been a strategic partner in that, but I never saw it that way. I just Mm -hmm. saw it as I do my job. And she's happy with it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, as opposed to thinking through how how could I help you get uh, bigger staff? She wanted to expand her staff, and and I could have perhaps been an ally in that. And I didn't see that as part of my job, which is fine. It wasn't part of my job, but she might have been a lot more willing to give me staff if I had been looking out for her needs as well. Yeah, well, and it really is the difference. So if you're the leader, the boss, it's the difference between someone coming to you with another issue that you have to deal with versus um, something valuable to help you accomplish what you're already trying to accomplish, right? And those are two different deals because as a boss, you've already got plenty of things to deal with. You don't need another fire to put out, right? but if it's something to help you achieve what you're already working on, that's a completely different conversation. Absolutely. Right. Because you've got, you've got the three or five most important things to you that keep you up at night. And you're right. You don't need a sixth thing or a 10th thing. You, you just, you, you just right. want to make progress on those five. So anything that, um, and there's actually research by neuroscientists that show that when you get um, advice that helps you move towards one of your goals, it actually lights up reward centers so that that advice, yeah. which normally might feel like, oh, why are you telling me this? for the exact reason that you're saying, it's one more thing I have to do. If it's moving me towards my goals, 
this, this is rewarding. You know, it's like getting some chocolate ice cream, <laughs> right? Yeah. Same reward yeah. centers light up, right? So it really, yeah. it, it really makes a difference. That's great. Well, so I, I like to ask this question uh, about a lot of different things, but what do you think is at stake here? right? So what's mm-hmm. the difference between a team where the leader knows how to give effective feedback and one that doesn't? What's at stake for those teams? So a praised team, a team that receives a lot of praise is a loyal team. It's a committed team. Um, if you want to hold on to your best employees, you need to be praising them regularly. There's, yes. there's great, yeah, yeah. There's great research from Gallup. Um, they asked, and this was a couple of years ago, this was before COVID. They asked in the last seven days, have you received recognition or praise for doing good work? And what was fascinating about this is employees who said no to that question were three times more likely to say that they plan to quit within the next year. Right. Wow. So this was of the different questions they asked, this was the best predictor of looking for other jobs was, do you get praised? And have you been praised in the past seven days? Now, I'm sure there are leaders who just heard that who think, oh my gosh, I can think of so many people who I haven't praised in the past week, Teresa. (laughs) Get on it. Get on it. And especially, it's so easy to assume that our highest performers don't need praise, right? We we assume they know they're doing great work. They know they're bringing in the top clients. Um, they 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 know I give them the best projects, and so that's how I reward them, or I give them a good bonus every year. Not enough. It's not yeah. enough. Because and and your your highest performers, they're the ones with the most options, right? They can go elsewhere if they yes. want to, right? <laughs> So they're especially the people who need to be hearing where they're having impact, the way that they're making your job easier or more lucrative or whatever it might be. Um, They're the way that they're, they need to hear how they're having an impact. Um, So uh, one group that needs more praise is, are your superstars. Um, But, but everybody benefits from praise. You, you're, you know, I know so many people during COVID that once somebody quits, they don't get to replace that person. Right. (laughs) You really, you know, you don't want any turnover, even of your average performers, your workhorses. Um, The other group that needs more praise is women, especially during COVID. Um, And this isn't about some stereotype about women being emotional or needing more support than men. What is this about? Um, In 2020, uh, McKinsey and McKinsey and company and lean in, they put out their annual report. They do this every year called the women in the workplace report. Mm -hmm. And they found out that in 2020, one out of four women were thinking about either downshifting to part-time or leaving the workforce altogether. Huge number, one out of four, right? Um, And a lot of that's because, you know, you have entire households coexisting during work hours and more of that responsibility falls on women. But one way that you can let women know, I need you, is by letting them know what impact they're having, letting them know how much you value their work. Because it's easy for all of us. Because, you know, if you don't feel seen at work, you know what people need at home. You can see that really immediately, right? But if you're not hearing, like, here's what I value about your work, it's so easy to just be like, well, this is the bigger priority. I'm, I'm not feeling seen. I might as well just go to part-time. So the two groups that really need praise right now, your superstars and your women, and that may be the same group <laughs> for some of us, um, yeah. but just, just make sure you're praising both of them because what's at stake is you could, you could lose them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, 
before we kind of wrap up here, I want to give you just another chance to talk a little bit more about the book. Is there anything that I didn't ask about that is just a standout thing from the book that you want to make sure people hear about? Well, we were just talking about praise. And um, the thing that I'd want to point out there, um, because I know your podcast is all about high performing teams. Um, and I think it's easy for most of us assume, okay, like, what should the praise to criticism ratio be? A lot of us think it should be kind of two to one. You know, you need to praise twice as much. But a research team at the University of Michigan has found that the highest performing teams receive a praise to criticism ratio of 5.6 to one. So for wow. everyone, every one time you're saying, oh, gosh, I'm a little, I'm a little frustrated by last week's report. Almost six times you're saying, here's where you nailed it. This is what exactly what I needed. I love what you did here. You need almost six of those to every piece of criticism. And so I, I think most of us underestimate how much praise people need. I'm guessing the, the numbers would be even higher during COVID when we feel our work is invisible. So that would be, you know, it's, it's one of the most yeah. important things you can do this week is give more praise if you've been avoiding it. Or if you just think, I don't need to, it's one more thing I need to do. It is one more thing yeah. you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's so important and it, it ties back to something you just said uh, a couple minutes ago that your highest performing people are the ones with the most options, right? Yes. And when you talk about a leader who praises six times to every one time they criticize something, I mean, who doesn't want to work for that person? right? Exactly. Like that's the kind of boss that we all would love to have. And the people that have the most options about where they're going to work and who they're going to work for are your highest performers. Exactly. And so if you're not that six to one boss, there's mm -hmm. another six to one boss out there. Who's going to eventually end up with your highest performers. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You want to hold on to those people. So if, if you're appreciating them and, and, and I especially get frustrated with bosses where their praise or things like, you know, Oh, I'm just, I'm just grateful that you're not a problem child. Okay. 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 That's good. <laughs> but you could say, you could say something so much more positive, right. About the impact you're having, you know, you make it fun to come to work. There are so many ways that you could make that a much stronger as opposed to, well, you're not a negative. You're not a burden on me. Yeah. In, in what ways do you elevate the team? In what ways do you, what, how is this my favorite meeting of the day? Right. Everybody loves to hear yeah. that. So definitely uh, keep up the good yeah. work and, and say it loudly. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, so if people want to uh, connect with you and learn more about what you do, maybe even have you come and speak at something or, or consult for them, sure. what are the different ways that they can connect with you and, and learn more about what you do? Great. Well, they can learn more about um, my speaking and my, my book and my research on my website, which is theresehouston.com. Um, and that's Houston spelled like uh, not like Texas, H-U-S-T-O-N, uh, or they can email me. Um, and my email address is H-U-S-T-O-N-T at Seattle, letter U dot E-D-U. So either email me or you can find it. You can find my email on my website as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, Therese, it's been a great conversation and uh, I hope it's not our last one. I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you about this and getting to hear about some of your experiences and insights. And um, I think this is an incredibly valuable uh, topic for, for team leaders and business owners to take into consideration and to learn about. So I hope they pick up your book and check out your website and stuff. All that links to the book, to the website and the email address are all in the show notes. So just scroll on down there and uh, go ahead and check out Teresa's stuff. So uh, Teresa, thanks again so much for, for being on here and having the conversation with me. And thanks for doing such great work, Ryan, to lift up leaders. We, we all need the work you're doing. 
Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are currently using. If you think today's content might be useful for someone you know, please consider sharing it with them. Just a reminder that the Invincible Teams podcast is brought to you by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork training and consulting to help you eliminate office drama and turnover and help you get the most out of your team. Thanks again for listening. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.